The Start On Demand. On demand. A brazen group robbery at the Tyndall Park Liquor Mart as a whole bunch of people caught on video just start grabbing bottles and stuffing them into bags. A few of them ended up getting arrested. That leads to the question, what do we do to put a lid on these robberies at the liquor marts? That also leads to a conversation with Food Fair's Munther Zeed, who says it's not just liquor that's getting stolen. The rising trend of stolen meat and cheese. Jets fans are glad. Bomber fans are sad. And pick a seat on the CJOB plane. The grand prize winner is revealed with Sunwing Vacations to Ryu Cancun. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday, September 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, in my hand... I have the envelope. Oh my. The Sunwing pick a seat on the CJOB playing envelope. Today's the day. You know, Ooh. normally I wouldn't, like, I, don't get me wrong, I'd be thrilled about any trip. But in September, typically you're not thinking, oh, I can't wait to go south for the winter. You're not thinking that. Yeah. Except this September, it's freezing out, it's raining nonstop, you're cold. Your friends in Calgary got snow. You're just kind of mad, I think. And you're like, yeah, get me out of here. So at 7.15, hopefully at 7.15, we will talk to the grand prize winner, courtesy of Sunwing Vacations, all-inclusive vacation for two to Ryu Cancun. Did you sneak a peek in that envelope? Do you know who won? I know who won. You do? I do. Do you know what show they listened to and which show they qualified on? Uh, it might have been ours. Really? Might have been ours. So. Nice. But what happens if they don't answer? This is what we're saying to everybody this morning. Wake up. Yep. So you got to answer up, your phone. Wake up. Yeah. It's time to wake up. At 7.15, the call goes out, and hopefully the, ans- the, the person who won will pick up the phone. Remember those commercials? Pick up the phone. <laughs> no, I, do. I don't. <laughs> they, 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 it's exactly as it sounds. They For were what? These, what was the... It was like a late, late night... Uh, Hookup service. Yeah, Basically much. on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be watching like Rochester, New York <laughs> television late at night, some overnight version of a sitcom or something, and then they'd have, in Rochester, New York, they'd have the different number. And then if you're in Utica, this number. And then they Winnipeg, 201. <laughs> And what are you calling for? Like a just a uh, oh well, just to start a very serious and uh, long-term meaningful relationship, mm. of course. Yeah. It was basically like Tinder, but with a real person on yeah, the end before, who wasn't real at all. Before that was an option, they had these different uh, dating <laughs> dating service. Did you just find the ad for it, Jay? Of course. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> That sounds like it. Pick up the phone. Well, it's very enough. 90s, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh or do you, remember the, do you remember the one with the, the little guy with the curly black hair who would say, it's private, confidential, one-on-one, and discreet. 
Did, so, great. did anyone ever pick up the phone? I don't know. I never this picked up the, the phone. This is what, it, and then your mom gets a bill for like nine hundred dollars oh, for like no a question. one nine hundred thing. They said it was free. They said she was my friend. Way better than the hotline back in the day <laughs> oh, when you used to wait for a busy tone in Winnipeg and you would shout your phone number on the other end. Give me a call, and then you'd shout your phone number in between the busy signal, and then you'd hang up and wait for somebody to call you. That was the Winnipeg hotline. You have to be a certain age to remember wow. that. Wow. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, Tyndall Park liquor store, robbed by a mob. You can see video on the 680CJOB Instagram story, which we've linked to CJOB.com. And Greg, uh, where was it that a uh, friend of yours said they saw a, a similar style robbery? Yeah, Saturday night around 9 o'clock, Henderson and Bonner. That's the liquor mart that we most often go to. Uh, I've been in there with my kids. Uh, Jackie goes there regularly. And so when you hear about that, once again, it's that whole relative to your own experience thing. As soon as it starts happening in your own backyard, perhaps you start paying attention. Yeah, it's not just the downtown liquor mart on Ellis anymore that uh, seems to get a, a lot of the attention. It's it's funny because... Um, I am too often in the uh, uh, the branch out uh, by where I live in, in Transcona off a kill there, but Sleepy Hollow was the way I would describe that. I just you, you just don't see anything that even comes close to that, and and yet it is it just seems to be rampant right now that it's happening everywhere. I think didn't somebody say uh, there there was an incident at Gateway where somebody just grabbed the bottle and walked right out of the superstore there. It's it's they're grabbing the bottles, they're putting them in bags by the dozen, and it's not just the liquor stores. We had someone sharing uh, that their husband works at a grocery store in Winnipeg, and they regularly watch people walk out with just packets of meat without any concern. They just throw it in a basket and walk out with pork chops and steaks and all the rest. And but we've been talking about the liquor stores for a year, yeah. and uh, li- the liquor and lotteries came back Friday with a statement saying this isn't just us, this isn't just our problem. It's happening everywhere, and yes. Sh- Yes, it is happening everywhere, except for there's an argument to be made, perhaps, about liquor stores because it's that one single product. You're not walking in buying lettuce and groceries yeah. and diapers and all the rest. Can't, is it, do we, are we at the point where we need to put that all up behind a counter, behind lock and key, or make it like in the States where your kids can't go in, you have to be a certain age, maybe you have to show your ID before you even get into the store? Like it, because yeah. we're not fixing it with all the other things we've done. I know, well, in, the, I know in the States that uh, they actually have to scan your ID. You have a barcode on the back of your ID, and I didn't scan mine when I was out in the States. So. Now, that's you when, go you're, in that's when you purchase, though, yeah, right, Yeah, that's when you purchase, but I think you should be ID'd when you have to enter in the store, and then they scan your ID. That way, you're on file, so they know who's in their store. If you don't have ID, you don't get in. Yeah. Plain and simple. Even if they hold your ID until you come out. Oh, look at you, Jeff Braun. That might help. I don't know if you're allowed to do stuff like that. Well, you that. have to show your Costco card before you go into Costco. <laughs> yeah. So, right? Good point. I mean, you There's two people don't... standing there and you can't even walk in. I mean, they, I don't know if they'd stop you. They really, will. But they, but they have I've said, had well, to bolt into a Costco after, because my mom just went ahead of me. Right. And, and the lady's like, do you have a card? I was like, no, I'm here with my mom. Well, you need your own. No. Like, I was like, nope. And I just ran. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then they stand there when you walk out with a, a checker who's going over everything in your yeah. cart to make sure you've paid for it. I mean, there's checks and balances in place in all sorts of different stores that are Great keeping point. you from doing things. So you have to ask, like, 
what what are we going to do about this? Yeah, I know somebody who actually tra- tried to go to the Costco on Regent just to get a poutine. <laughs> had done this before many times, no problem. Um, her membership had since lapsed, and she says, I'm just getting a poutine. Well, you need a membership. What do you mean I need a membership? And she was escorted out of the building. Right. Like, escorted out. Because for, for, she for a $3 a poutine. Yeah. That's for members only, okay? Yes. Right, but yeah. the, the bigger point is we—I mean, we're we're a year into this, and we're not making any headway. And I was dis- that video last week was disgusting of just that mob yeah. mentality where nobody cares and they walk in and there's 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 a whole other argument or talk about this where, where we've gone as a society where people just feel it's the like wild wild that west. is what they get to do. <laughs> but I'm looking at a video right now of an Edmonton liquor store. And we're working to get the Edmonton CEO of this liquor store on, I hope, with Jeff Courier this afternoon because he's worried someone's going to get killed over yeah. a bottle of alcohol. Right? Well, you're, you're telling us that that their numbers are through the roof in 300% terms of hundred percent in Alberta. The the liquor lot liquor, I guess it's not private there, but their yeah. thefts are up three hundred percent in that province. So there's something going on in this country where people just feel: is it because people are that poor and they're wanting to sell alcohol for items to help them get by? Is it because of meth? Is it just because you think who? cares i get a free bottle so i'm gonna walk in the store or i get a free package of pork chops and so i have nothing to care about anymore well a package of steaks now can go anywhere from 30 to 50 bucks depending on what easily what kit cut you're purchasing and then of course alcohol you get a two six or something it's 35 40 50 dollars depending on what you're grabbing grab a couple of them like it's it's got legitimate resale value and there's so little stuff now that you can actually steal i hate to say this that has any value anymore mm-hmm. you know you, you you steal a flat screen tv what are you going to get for it on the black market it's very little but like there's just not a lot of stuff for you to steal anymore well someone shared with us this morning a picture of meat that they saw uh, going making the rounds on Facebook, and it was like nine packages of meat laid out on the sidewalk. And the person had posted, "Oh, my camping trip got canceled, so I'm selling this meat at a low yeah. price." And she's <laughs> like, "I don't think so, right?" But I mean, like, do, so now we do we call that person out? I mean, police can't like you can't phone up police and be like, "Yeah, like there's got to catch these guys on Facebook selling pork chops." Can you can you track them down? I don't know what we're supposed to do. So is anybody here opposed to having to show their ID upon entry into a liquor mart? No. Nope. Nope. No. Not a, not one iota. Because, you know, when you factor all of this in, who's going to pay for it? The people who are not stealing. That's who is going to pay for it. I got nothing to hide, so... It's more, of a, it's more of a safety issue in my mind, because... One of these things is going to go sideways one of these days. Either a patron's going to decide to take matters yeah. into their own hands. It's clear that the employees have been instructed not to do so. But, you know, let's face it. If you see this more than once, you're going to get frustrated. And then the whole idea of, you know, kids being allowed in there and it's going to happen in front yeah. of kids and everything. Maybe they need to restrict the. I don't like I don't know. But I think the ID first, they haven't tried that yet. I think they should think about that one. But we want to continue our conversation now on the liquor mart and the mob that robbed the Tyndall Park store. It was about a year ago, I think, that we first started talking about this, hearing about a rash of thefts at Manitoba's liquor stores. And then we had other retailers speaking out about the problem, other retailers, uh, meat and cheese being stolen from grocery stores, copper, other metals from construction sites also be, being stolen. We know crime is up. We know demand for security guards is up. And still the problem persists. 
Last week, it feels like Winnipeg hit what I'm at least calling a new low, Greg, when a video of mm-hmm. mob of teens stealing from a Tyndall Park liquor store was shared on social media. As Global's Brittany Greenslade explains, the brazen thieves were all young teens. With their faces covered and bags open, a swarm of teenagers start grabbing bottles of alcohol as fast as possible. Hundreds of bottles. Uh, Almost a a couple of hundred. A bold and chaotic theft inside a busy Tyndall Park Liquor Mart Wednesday evening. One of many police say they are still continually being called to. I can tell you that uh, at this particular incident, I haven't really seen in my career something as brazen as this. Um, that it's certainly unusual for us. Well, it's unclear how much booze the suspects made off with or how many people were involved. Police arrested five teens between the ages of 14 and 16 for a crime that is becoming growingly frustrating for officers. You know, I think anytime we see a crime trend and we're not able to uh, figure out a way to effectively sort of derail it, it's frustrating, so sure it's frustrating. Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries announced new enhanced security tactics in March, including hiring teams of trained loss prevention officers who would be able to chase down and arrest suspects on the spot. There were also supposed to be turnstiles at the exits to create barriers. Winnipeg Police Special Constables briefly patrolled some stores. That presence has all but ended. Seven months later, they still don't have a team in place and refuse to say what steps they're taking, if any, to stop these thefts. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. In a statement, Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries say they saw a decrease in thefts this past spring, shortly after it introduced some new measures to combat crime. But since then, the Crown Corporation says thefts are as high as they've ever been, writing, quote, We've witnessed thieves openly steal product despite the presence of uniformed special duty constables on the sales floor. Thieves often become violent when confronted by requests for ID or with ill-advised attempts by security, staff or customers trying to block their entry and exit. The safety of our employees and customers remains our number one concern. The statement goes on to say it's clear that Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries cannot fix this issue on our own. Theft and property crimes are occurring at local retailers of all sizes. Some retailers in Winnipeg have the highest incident of theft across all their locations in both Canada and in North America. The trend is bigger than any one retailer, including Manitoba Liquor Marts, and requires the coordinated efforts of law enforcement, justice, the local retail industry, and other social support and service agencies to develop strategies to address this disheartening trend. I'm going to reread that line. Some retailers, Winnipeg locations, have the highest incidence of theft across all their stores in both Canada and North America. And I know in conversations with trying to get liquor and lotteries on, there's some frustration there because there's also that sentiment, you know, when you talk about it and when you share this video, are you perpetuating the problem? Are you making it worse because you're putting ideas into people's heads about what can and cannot happen? But we've been talking about this for a year now and not just with them. And there's something going on out there that it can't just be, or my bigger question, is it really just linked to meth? Like, it, that can't be it. I think it has to be just, a, some of it is just young teens or young kids thinking this would be fun. I, I don't know. Because it, it can't just be about turning that product around for a quick buck. And if it is, what's that saying about the drug problem and or the poverty problem in our city, if that's what it really is about? And secondly, if it is a pr- fraction of kids who are doing this for fun, what is go- what is your problem? Like I, I used to, I, I remember being scared to take a grape 
off the shelf when you're a kid and mm-hmm. your mom would be like, don't touch that grape. We didn't pay for those grapes. And right. you were pulling like one grape off and you were five. And, and you knew then you don't take what you didn't pay for. And now you just have people walking into a store and shoving whatever they want into bottles and backpack or backpacks. That's ridiculous. Well, the security guards uh, used to have, at least it seemed, to have some sort of power to detain you and phone police and scare the scare the heck out of you when you were younger. I know when I was younger, lots of my friends, uh, maybe too many of them, were caught shoplifting at Polo Park over the years. This this is my hood. And so I used to spend a lot of time at Polo Park. And I can remember an entire group of my friends, all girls, by the way, five of them had to go on a Saturday morning to this seminar where they learned about the the detriments of shoplifting, how much it costs society and the retailers, etc. And they were literally banned from the store that they were caught shoplifting in for, I think it was, if it wasn't a year, it might have been two years. That just doesn't exist anymore. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time for the last three weeks. We have been finding qualifiers three times a day. Once on the start, once on Hal Anderson Afternoons between 1 and 4, and once on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham for an all-inclusive vacation for two to Rio Cancun, courtesy of Sunwing Vacations. And it is time. We have the envelope right here. Rip it open. All right, so let's see. We have a couple people uh, hanging uh, hanging around yeah. on the phone lines, wondering if it's them. Uh, we do have a couple of qualifiers here, so now let's try this one. Hi there. What's your name? Hello, this is Tanya Levy. Hello, Tanya Levy. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. You ever been to Mexico? Once, yes. Where'd you go? We went to uh, Mayan Riviera. The Mayan mm. Riviera. Very nice. Mm. Well, this hotel looks pretty sweet. Like, I'm really big on this table in the pool. I've been talking about it now for three weeks. There's mm-hmm. a table in the pool, Danya. You can Sounds eat. amazing. Seems not necessary, but you can definitely have a drink. Is it play chess? Monopoly? Do, do you play chess or Monopoly, Tanya? Uh, on occasion, yes. Wow. And how would you like to try it? In that pool, on the table in the pool, in Rio Cancun. I would really like to do it in Mexico. Well, you're going to because you won. All-inclusive vacation for two, courtesy (laughs) of Sunwing Vacations. Tanya Levy, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Did we wake you up this morning with this, Tanya? Were you on your way to work? Where are you? Oh, I'm feeding my son, actually. <laughs> Getting everybody organized in the morning. Okay, so we, we kind of derailed your organization a little bit this morning. <laughs> That's okay. Well, good. Listen, thank you so much for playing, and we are so excited for you to go down to Mexico. Thank you. You have young kids? I've never got through on a radio before for a call, and I got through, and now I'm, oh my gosh, this is crazy. You've never won a radio contest? No, I've never, I keep trying to win pizza, and now I'm- <laughs> Come on! She's gone from trying to win pizza to going to Mexico. Have you thought about who you're going to take? Pardon me? Have you thought about who you're going to take? 
Oh, my husband. <laughs> oh, there is some hesitation there. Come on. <laughs> my husband. Is there any way I can split it into two trips for one? <laughs> there you go. Hey, she's, she's a young mom. I get it. She, she's going to sleep in that on that table in the pool for the first few days, maybe. <laughs> well, Tanya, congratulations. Just hold on the line. Once again, Tanya Levy has won. Pick a seat on the CJOB plane with Sunwing Vacations, a trip for two, an all-inclusive vacation for two to Rio Cancun. So if you think the weather sucks here, it could <laughs> always be worse. And speaking of worse... Well, a uh, troubling... Uh moment in the season for the Blue Bombers. They had lost four games before this one by eight, two, one, and one point. This loss by 20 points is the first time they've really been thumped this year. At home too, right? Yeah. Breaks their streak unbeaten. Yeah, so Friday night was not as good as Friday afternoon, and Saturday night for Winnipeg sports fans. We'll expand upon that. Blue Bombers humbled in their first loss of the season at IG Field, falling 33-13 to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Combined with Saturday's CFL results, Winnipeg find themselves in a three-way tie for first in the West with Calgary and Saskatchewan, but... Both of those teams have a game in hand on the hometown Bombers. Here's Chris Strevler on the fourth quarter interception, which was the nail in the coffin for the blue and gold. Uh, we had a screen play, screen play called, and, uh, you know, I uh, just didn't uh, give Andrew a good ball. If I, I should have probably just thrown it at his feet, so made a bad decision. And you were quite angry about that afterward, obviously. Uh, yeah, I was pretty angry about it. Running back Andrew Harris sum things up this way. It could have been better and, uh, you know, obviously when we sustain drives and, you know, get, get more plays and, you know, we, we, we had some plays dialed up to, uh, to get on and we just didn't have enough, uh, enough plays in the, in, the, in the game in itself to, to kind of get to them. So um, overall, I think we just, you know, just need to be better. And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, we, we got, we got flat out beat today. So Bombers head to Regina for a game Saturday with the Rough Riders, of course, here on 680 CJOB. Kelly Moore joins us in studio now. And uh, Kelly, uh, it was not a terrific performance by the Blue and Gold. I think a lot of people expecting or at the very least hoping for a bounce back from last Saturday's comeback loss against uh, Montreal. But Hamilton actually just did everything better than the Blue Bombers. Well, especially in the first half. I thought Winnipeg settled down and, and played a little better in the second half of that game. But, you know, if you take into account the fourth quarter in Montreal and then the first two quarters against Hamilton, that was, you know, not uh, Bo Levi Mitchell or Mike Riley or even Trevor Harris torching the Winnipeg secondary for nearly 600 yards in three quarters. That was Vernon Adams Jr. and Dane Evans. Not to take anything away from either of those two young quarterbacks, but, boy, I'll tell you, serious, serious issues in that defensive, uh, defensive secondary that they absolutely must solve. I think there was a sense, and maybe I'm wrong, but as a fan, I thought the Montreal game, just a bad game. But then when you watch Friday's game and you put those two back to back, you're talking about a bigger issue and just, oh, that was, you know, things went wrong for one night. Yeah, one was a punch in the gut. And then the other was a punch right in the face. Yeah. And and Hamilton just, as Michael Shea said in the post game show, 
Hamilton won the physical battle. Mm-hmm. And you know, that is just not going to sit well in Winnipeg Blue Bomber headquarters. 45 points the Blue Bombers gave up in those three quarters. You mentioned mm-hmm. the last quarter, yeah. last Saturday, and then the first half on Friday night. The Blue Bombers gave up a combined 58 points in the entire month of July. Right. So this is a little bit of a different looking yeah. performance from the defense that, that have been maligned and people have wondered if they're, you know, if the way they've been playing earlier in the year was a charade. I guess I guess we don't really know for sure, but it's starting to feel like they're not as good as we thought they were. Well, you know, and and I always defer to Bob Irving. In matters of peril, because uh, while the rest of us are losing our heads, Bob tends to take a look at things from a big picture aspect. And that defense played awfully well for three quarters in Montreal. And uh, and they played, they got closer to being who they are in the second half against Hamilton. Now, you could argue that the Tiger Cats took the foot off the pedal, and, and I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, but I think before I write this team off totally, I want to see what happens in Saskatchewan on Saturday. Because uh, uh, as bad as things are right now, and let's face it, this team is 1-3 and three in their last four games. They are not trending in the right direction. Write They're, this team off totally? Like that's where you're prepared? No, 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 no. What I'm saying At, is... Until that game. Yeah. yeah you want to yeah. see this weekend's game. I want to see this weekend's game. And then, you know, before... We start to make comments yeah. like they're they're uh, they have no hope. There's no chance whatsoever because there there always is a chance. Things can turn around very dramatically. But let's face it: if if you are to take the level of performance that you have seen from this football club, especially in their last two games, but since the five and zero start overall, they're four and five. Uh, so there are some definite. Definite rooms for uh, definite areas for improvement. This team absolutely has to make, or they're going to wind up right where they are now and in third place. They're not sitting in the third row of your SUV with third row seating, but they've gone from the driver's seat to the yes, back seat. They certainly and have. And they're going to yeah. need some help. They're going to have to help themselves along the way. Well, they, yeah, they, they still can control that, Greg. That's the big thing here that has to be remembered. They can control that without needing help from anybody else. Coach's show tonight at 7 o'clock. Bob Irving, Mike O'Shea. Jets fans, meanwhile, Greg, had a better weekend. Yeah, Friday afternoon, word spread that Patrick Laine had been re-signed by the Jets. A two-year contract, which I think should work for both the team and the player. Uh, the Jets, of course, tight against the salary cap. And then, of course, Kyle Connor. Saturday night, news spread pretty quick that he'd signed a seven-year, $50 million contract. I think a contract that I think works well for the team and the player as well. Yeah, and and the difference, uh, I guess, for the two players, there is the perception that what you've seen from Kyle Connor the last couple of seasons is what you could reasonably expect over the long term. Uh, it's been a little bit more of a, I don't want to say bumpy, but in an inconsistent ride for Patrick Lyonet. So as Greg mentioned, two years to show that Patrick Lyonet is the guy who wowed everybody in his second year, and even in his first year for that matter, as opposed to the player who had those wild swings 
Wings uh, last season when he scored 18 goals in November and only 12 for the other five months of the season. The news comes just in time. The season starts in a yeah, matter Thursday. of days. Yeah. So yeah. do they come into the locker room with, is there any animosity no, from any of the, no, that just gets no, thrown away? No, no, This is no. all business? We don't it, worry about it? It was the same thing, McNabb, when you wandered in here with your big contract and we just... <laughs> Well, maybe there could be trouble in the locker room. Seven years for $7,000. Yeah. (laughs) It's too much. It's too much, I say. Yeah. But now, of course, the interesting part, I'm just, I think I have the total right. 29 players now with the addition of Connor and Lionel. So you have to be down to 23 by 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon uh, for the roster cutdown. So some interesting decisions because I'll tell you, yesterday in Minnesota, uh, David Gustafson, the 19-year-old, mm-hmm. did not look out of place playing with two highly skilled players. And, of course, everything Please got jumbled. Please say and. Please say and. and. Oh, and, yeah, I'm going to get to that in a minute uh, because uh, everything was kind of scuttled when Brian Little went down early with, after taking the high hit from Luke Cunning. But, and Vili Hainola. Thank you. Yeah, he, he has done absolutely nothing to convince... Anybody, I think, that he does not deserve a place on this hockey club right now. So, but you can only you can only carry twenty three now. Sammy Nico has a bit of a groin injury uh, situation to deal with. I don't know how serious it is, Uh, but you know, Brian Little does he start the season on injured reserve or will he be okay to play on Thursday in New York? And uh, you know, that could open the door for a young guy like Gustafson to at least audition in his place until Brian's ready to come back. Right on, Kelly. And real quick, we want to mention before we break is the fact that Winnipeg Ice get five out of a possible six points in Saskatchewan, tied for first place uh, in their division. Yeah, just to put things in proper perspective really quick, Saskatoon, the number three ranked team in all of Canadian Major Junior Hockey, the ice were down 4-1 in that game and came back and won it. 7 to 6. Uh, and then Prince Albert, the defending WHL champions, they came back from down 2 nothing in that game and uh, wound up getting a point. And then they outclassed Regina yesterday. So they're at home to uh, Edmonton and Vancouver Friday and Saturday. Should be some great games. And I'll tell you, Mitch Peacock sounded in midseason form on the weekend, calling the games on 680 CJOB. The video is crazy. You can see it on 680CJOB's Instagram, a mob in the Tyndall Park Liquor Mart. And that had the liquor and lotteries responding with a statement Friday saying that thefts are actually as high as they've ever been in this province, that they saw a slight decrease after all those changes were introduced in the spring. But bottom line is they're not really working. The part of that statement said that the trend is bigger than any one retailer, including Manitoba Liquor Marks, and requires the coordinated efforts of law enforcement, justice, and the local retail industry and other support and service agencies to develop strategies to address what Liquor and Lotteries is calling a disheartening trend. Michelle Goronsky is the president of MGU, which of course represents so many of the employees at these liquor stores, and she joins us now. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, everyone. Well, where are the conversations at now, then? What possibly can be done next, do you think, in your mind, to mitigate what's happening out there? Well, I have requested an urgent meeting with MBLL, and I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to discuss the current situation with them as soon as possible. I will move anything I have to to be able to sit down with these folks and talk about what we are going to do to protect the public and to protect the employees of the liquor stores. Now, we know there was some concern expressed again by MBLL in their statement to us and their correspondence with us that talking about this or sharing or showing the video would lead to another spike in crime. Do you think that this is part of the problem, Michelle? 
I believe that does um, add to it. You know, right now, the, people are very, very brave. Uh, they know that there's no one to stop them when they go in. The more we talk about that fact, you know, it does put the employees and the public at risk. And they're, you know, right now, everyone just feels like there's no repercussions. And that is definitely a problem. Um, you know, how do we stop what's going on in there? The staff there are hired to provide info and to make recommendations. They are there to provide the best shopping experience we can have. They're not there to provide the security. So we do need to figure out a way. Everyone needs to sit down and figure out a way how we move this forward. It's not one person's responsibility. It is all of our responsibility. Michelle, the question of the day at cjob.com, which, by the way, is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. To help combat theft, should liquor marts start checking ID at the door? Uh, What do you think of that idea? You know, I'm not sure if that's going to make a difference or not. And again, you know, to, to until I am actually able to sit down with folks, I want to sit down with our members and have a good, frank discussion with them. I want to sit down with all of the agencies that would be involved in any of of this and be able to move this forward in the best way possible. And again, I you know that might be one suggestion. I have no idea whether that actually is going to stop what is going on here. You know, I um, after 8.30, we're going to talk to some people in the grocery store industry because we know that thefts are not just a problem with liquor and lotteries alone, that it's happening in a wide variety of spots. And we, like you, want to find a solution to this because it is super disheartening to see. I witnessed a, a robbery about a month ago uh, at a store and then saw a, an arrest and the employees were thrilled. They were so mad that the same person had come in and out, in and out of the store. And finally, there were police there to catch these thieves this one day. And the employees were high-fiving in the store, Michelle, because they were so pleased to see something that finally happened. This has to be just one of those things of coming into work must be more difficult each day when this is going on on a regular basis. Absolutely. You know, everyone in this province, everyone in Canada, we deserve to go to work and be safe when we're at work. Our families deserve for us to be able to come home safely at the end of our shift. And, you know, when you have to rely on on a circumstance or a happen chance to be able to make sure that's happening, you know, it is fearful. So, again, we need to sit down with all agencies, with everyone that could be involved in how we make sure that we're moving this forward in a positive direction that protects everyone, the, the consumers as well as the employees. You mentioned consumers there, Michelle, and, you know... I- I don't know how much conversation we had internally about whether or not we should share these videos or talk about them, but all I know is until I saw that video uh, late last week, I had no idea this was happening in liquor stores. I would have found out Sunday morning when a friend of mine reached out to me and said, you'll never believe what I saw on Saturday night or last night at a particular location. And so I think the public needs to know that this is happening in places that they frequent. You, I, you know, I believe it, it, that is true, and and people need to be very cautious going in, and they need to stay clear and just let whatever's going to happen happen, and make sure that the safety of themselves as well as the employees comes first. And you know, like you say, without knowing what is going on out there, it is hard to fathom and imagine. But again, I'm, I'm waiting to sit down with everyone that is could be involved. You know, uh, in, in all agencies and make sure that we're moving this in a positive direction for everyone. All right, Michelle Goronsky, president of MGEU. Thanks for your time, Michelle. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone, and be safe out there. Please be safe.
start this half hour, Loren McNabb. At Food Fair. Well, we've been we're going to Food Fair because we want to take the conversation past all the talk we've had about liquor store thefts and, and look to the other places that are seeing thefts of their own. We know if you go into Best Buys, some winners I was in recently, shoppers, all sorts of grocery stores, they increasingly have security guards posted out front. Six months ago, we were talking to you about how Food Fair actually had to put baby formula and laundry detergent behind the counters to try and deter thieves. Well, since then, there's another problem or another item, I suppose, that's been added to the list, and that's meats and cheese now being lifted off the shelves on a semi-regular basis. Munther Zeed is the owner of Food Fair and joins us now to discuss. Good morning, Munther. Morning. How are you? We're good. I'm a little disheartened to hear about where things have gone. Tell us a bit about what the latest trend seems to be at some of your stores. Well, I mean, as you mentioned, Tide Pods, milk formula, uh, meat and cheese have become big items. Uh, it's gotten ridiculous where we're catching, like, on, on average... In a week, we, we can ha- have as high as 25 to 30 people that we're catching in a week. From a single store? It's from a single store. And what are you doing, Munther? Uh, we've had some feedback, and I uh, shared the idea that once upon a time, you got caught shoplifting. Either they called your parents, they called the cops, but, uh, you know, the security at the store was holding you until somebody came to collect you. And a couple of our listeners uh, have reminded us of exactly the same thing. What are you guys doing? Well, right now we've uh, we don't approach a shoplifter unless we're a minimum of two people uh, approaching, and we approach. Uh, we, I mean, no uh, no secret. We approach them armed. We have baseball bats, and all we want is our product back. When they see a sign of force, they're actually handing over the product with no issues. We're not in the business of hurting people, but with all the uh, situations that have been happening out there people getting stabbed, being pushed, punched, or whatever, Uh, not willing to risk our lives for something like as small as meat or cheese, but at the same time, we really can't afford to uh, have that product leave the store. So we approach with a baseball bat, we ask for the product, and when they see a sign of force in multiple people, they usually hand it over. Some people get mouthy and try to leave, but at the same time, we're there to protect ourselves, our staff, and our customers. You're doing that with in conjunction with security guards month or is that about kind of a you know if if staff are comfortable with doing it i'm only asking because that's a stressful situation for staff too to be in that situation well i mean our our staff has a choice uh, uh we approach as a family i mean it's me my sons uh, any family members that are working because we have as you know multiple family members working at various locations so uh like I said, we can't afford to let that product leave the store. It's uh, We're not a multi-million national company, but even those companies that are big really can't afford it at the end either. But uh, we're doing whatever we can to avoid um, theft. We're trying whatever we can to avoid the violence. And uh, when they see a weapon... They, they get discouraged. Brazen is a word that we're hearing more and more often in connection with these robberies, uh, Munther. Is that a word that you would use? Uh, people just getting braver and braver and uh, stealing more and more each time they try to do that? Oh, yeah, definitely. They are, I mean, they come in, it's almost, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're not, they just grab a bag, fill it up, and head towards the door, assuming that nobody's going to do anything. I mean, there's been a lot of news that, a lot of places won't confront, and these people that are stealing are just, like I said, they come in, they open up their bag. They're not hiding anymore. They're taking it and heading straight for the door. And, uh, again, 
it's easier and easier to catch them because they're not hiding. You mentioned that it's been in the news that a lot of places won't stop people from attempting to steal things. So do you think the fact that it is in the news is kind of helping to give people the notion, give them the idea to do this? Yeah, I, I believe so, yes. I mean, uh, like I said, the, a lot, the larger companies have a policy, don't approach, uh, don't put your life in danger, which I understand it's not worth it. But uh, when you, the owner, are there and seeing it, it's very hard to uh, just let your product walk out the door. Well, I know in grocery stores, the margins can be as slim as 1% in terms of what you might make at the end of a month off what you're selling. So I can appreciate the idea that you want to get every penny possible. What, what, are, what are they doing with the meats and cheeses? I mean, are, is this for themselves? Are they being sold somewhere else later for no, a quick They're being butt? sold in uh, par- parking lots. They go out to other areas, sometimes even go right outside our store and they approach customers that are getting out of their car or into their car and uh, going, hey, I have this meat or cheese. And uh, mo- most customers basically just ignore them and uh, keep going, but some customers that are on a budget may consider it. So, uh, But they're selling it right outside the store, uh, shopping mall parking lots, uh, uh, lounge parking lots, wherever they find a large amount of people. It's like they're scalping. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Helping, but for pennies on the dollar. And, and so we already know that police are stretched to the maximum. So we've got kind of a confluence of two things here. We've got increased crime, fewer resources, according to police, to respond to this. And then we have an appetite, clearly in the public purview, to pay pennies on the dollars for stuff that they know is stolen. That, that, that's a dangerous elixir. Oh, very, very. I mean, it's not helping. I mean, just the other day, if you the liquor mart where all those kids walked in and stole all that stuff, I mean, they know that they're not going to be uh, stopped at the door. They know that nobody's going to confront them. That's why they're doing it. So, uh, I mean, even young kids are looking at it, and they know which places to uh, go to. So what do we do? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a community support. I mean, everybody's got to uh, face it together, and we've got to basically not tolerate shoplifting. I mean, the more we just allow it to happen, the more it's going to happen. I mean, we know meth is part of it, but uh, we got to find a solution for that. But to uh, allow shoplifting to happen and continue, it's just going to keep on increasing the theft uh, usage. They're, that's what they're taking it for, is for drug addiction. So uh, we got to find a way to prevent them from stealing, and hopefully it's a revolving issue that uh, solves some other issues. Munther Zied is the owner of Food Fair, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Munther, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Have a nice day. You too. Question of the day at CJOB.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. While we just had a conversation about meat and cheese being stolen from Food Fair, the question does pertain to the liquor marts, and the question is, to help combat theft, should liquor marts start checking ID at the door? So far, 81% say yes. 19% say no. We also put that poll up on Twitter and asked the question on Facebook. And, of course, we're getting a lot of feedback saying, oh, it's going to take a lot more than that, or do you seriously think that's going to change anything? Well, no. We're asking the question to help combat theft. Is this perhaps a starting point was a suggestion from a listener. And if you've got ideas, this is why we put this stuff out on Twitter and Facebook. If you've got ideas, please feel free to share them. How far do you think they should go? How far are you willing to go to, or what are you willing to accept as a customer 
of the liquor mart or of a grocery store. Somebody mentioned uh, how they build those walls of water bottles mm-hmm. by the exits of the grocery stores. Sure. Uh, because they essentially make it so that you have to go into the store one way and then you have to exit uh, very, another way. You can't just come in and run out. Um, and I even find that to be kind of a pain, but I never really thought about it from the perspective of they're doing it to, to try to curb some theft. So mm-hmm. I have no problem then dealing with those water walls. How do you feel about the pushback that, that we're hearing? We heard it from Munther, we've heard it from ML. LC and the whole idea of uh, talking about this is is not helping in the media. Loren, what, what do you think about that? Do, do we stop discussing this? Um, I think that there's merit to it in the sense of I get that you put an idea in someone's head and you might contribute to it, except for here's the thing. We started talking about it a year ago. That led to some changes, which were seen as positive, which is a good thing. That's where the conversation took people, making some changes to try to correct a problem. Then I'd argue we really didn't talk about it that much over the last few months, and the problem's only gotten worse. And so I think it's fair again to say we're bringing this back up because something bigger is going on. Tactics, strategy seems to be changing. And I have no problem with anyone from any corporation saying, we're not going to tell you what our security strategies are from that from now on. That's cool with me. I don't need to know where you are. You don't know in an airport all the things they do to keep you safe. You really don't. You don't know who's been watching. You don't always see the security cameras. I don't. If they want to change everything they do at all these stores and not tell us, that's fair to me if that's about combating crime. But we're asking the question about what's next because obviously we have a bigger problem at play here. You have mob mentality. You have people who are so brazen they'd walk into his food fair, take the meat, and then stand outside and scalp the meat. Mm-hmm. So something bigger is going on than just saying, Let's stop talking about it. That will the thieves will stop doing it. That's not that's one doesn't equal the other. Man, I don't want to be surprised by some sort of swarming incident when I'm out at at any sort of retailer. I never even imagined that this was going on. Although I've been doing some research this morning, it's becoming commonplace not only with regards to to retail locations for theft, but also in terms of muggings and assaults in Edmonton. They had a group of kids that were swarming individuals outside a recreation complex for weeks and weeks before they were caught. So this seems to be either a new strategy or one that that some of us are just being made aware of. Greg, one of the first headlines you saw had to do with one of the biggest stores in Polo Park next door. Yeah, Forever 21. Their bankruptcy in the United States, meaning all Canadian stores are closing. They employ 2,000 people across our country. And yeah, the when the store opened in uh, Polo Park back in March of 2011, it was the biggest Forever 21 in the country. That's a big store, too, Forever mm-hmm. 21. I'm just, you know, wondering if maybe it's too big for its own good. I've only been in there, I think, once. Don't you get into stores and you think that, though? Like, there's so much stuff that I almost leave when they're that big. Yeah, you get overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, well, I, I, I've been to Ikea a few times in recent weeks trying to find stuff. And the first time I went, I went with something very specific in mind. But I did try to just kind of keep my eyes open to see what, what else they had. Maybe I'd get some ideas, but there were just too many ideas. Mm-hmm. And I just got, I, I, my brain just kind of gets to a point where it shuts down. Mm-hmm. And I just got what I needed and I left. And then when I went back, same thing. I tried to go back and say, okay, I'm going to look at the different things and maybe I'll find something decorative for my bathroom. And I just ended up buying the pillowcases or whatever that I needed and got out of there because I can't handle it. It's too much. And some of the clothing stores and and Forever 21 might be an example. I haven't been in there in years because I'm 
24. Yes. But um, the racks are just like so full. It's not even just about the store being really big. Like just stuff is jammed in some of these places where it's just you start combing through and you're trying to find your size and then you're trying to find the right color. And then I'm just forget it. Like I don't need any of this this badly. I want to walk into a store and see like three dresses. All how, in blue. How much of, of that? <laughs> All in blue. <laughs> how much of that frustration, though, goes to the level of service that you're getting or you're not getting? You know, I, I'm one of these people. If I can't find what I'm looking for, and typically yeah. when I'm shopping, I have something in mind. On the other hand, I am very much with certain items. I know what I'm looking for. Uh, when I see it, I'll know it. I may not be able to describe it to you, in which case, if somebody approaches me, I'll say, no, I'll know it when I see it. But other times, I'm very specifically looking for something, either a size or something I'd seen in the store previously. And in a lot of retail situations, it's impossible to find anybody to help you. Yeah. You know, So that's changing as well. The level of service, the commitment to that, I think, is changing as well. I think it just, I feel like for me, it's when I don't want their help that you have that person following you around the store. Like when I'm just trying to kill time in a mall before you pick up your kids or something, you're like, why is this person like right behind me? And then the next time when I go looking and I specifically want to find one thing and get in and get out, I can't find a single person to assist. I think they're darned if they do and darned if they don't. Yeah, you have the time when you haven't got the money. When you got the money, you haven't got the time. Today is a special day. It is Orange Shirt Day, Loren. Yeah, it's a pretty big day for uh, schools right across Canada. And of course, it's the time to get students to come together and wear orange and, and acknowledge the legacy of residential schools and hopefully learn a little bit along the way as well. We are thrilled right now to speak with Rob Riel, who's Director of Indigenous Education with the Winnipeg School Division, because hopefully, Rob, you can help us learn a few things this morning, too. Good morning. Good morning. Tell us about this day. Is it a sea of orange at schools across uh, the province and the country right now? Uh, I believe so. Over the past uh, few years, it's grown uh, in uh, honoring and recognizing this day. Uh, Schools uh, have been uh, calling in now for a while, uh, planning for this day. And it's not just a a one-off on this day. It's uh, for our our schools and probably schools across Canada, uh, it's becoming more of a, a recognizing and an honoring theme throughout the week before, the week after, or during. So uh, you don't have to go out and, and purchase a uh, an orange shirt for the event. You would just wear something orange. Uh, if you don't have an orange shirt, you know, an orange scarf, anything that would, would work to just to honor this uh, very important day. Why orange? Well, uh, I think it, it, it's very important that uh, we know why it's orange because uh, Phyllis Webstad uh, is, is the, the founder of this and, and she tells her story as she was uh, uh, taken to um, her residential school in Williams Lake, B.C. Uh, when she was six. And uh, her grandmother bought her a, a, an outfit to wear to uh, her first day of school and it was an orange shirt, a shiny orange shirt. And she remembers that vividly. And what happened on that first day was it was stripped from her. She was stripped down. Uh, all her clothes were taken. Uh, and uh, she never saw it again. So uh, her very first day of going to school, that's how she remembered it as. Henceforth, why we're honoring and recognizing uh, residential schools uh, with Orange Shirt Day, and I just have to say that it's not a celebration. You know, sometimes that word celebration gets misused on this day. It's definitely not a celebration. It's more of an honouring of the residential school survivors and a recognition of, of what happened. That recognition, I, I imagine, Rob, is 
is uh, different in terms of what the the students know, depending on what year of school they're in. And uh, we were talking in the newsroom, we, we all have children or some of us have children in a variety of different age groups and class uh, class grades. And they all seem to have some knowledge about this day and are commemorating it. How does that level of knowledge change uh, throughout the years? Well, uh, yeah, a residential school uh, recognition uh, happens from K to 12. You have to be very uh, careful on, on, uh, with the younger students as we want uh, our children to love to go to school and to want to go to school. So some of those stories aren't told in vivid detail but they are recognized. Uh, you know, uh, you can have uh, first day of school stories and then relate it to uh, how they're feeling and et cetera. So you're getting that social emotional feeling, uh, but you're not going into great detail and some of the, you know, the, the terrible events that happened uh, during residential school. And as the grades get older, uh, you get into more details, but uh, it comes down to uh, the educators being aware of who their students are, and then there's multiple resources out there to use to uh, honour and recognise today. We've been talking about uh, education within the residential school system in terms of sharing it more and more with Canadians so Canadians have a better understanding and appreciation for all that so thousands of Indigenous people went through uh, in the last several decades. Where do you see this as an important part of the process, Rob, when it comes to moving forward? If we don't know our past, we can't move forward. And I would argue my generation didn't learn it enough, but we will get there, hopefully, considering what kids are learning now. Uh, I think it's extremely important for everybody to know about it. Uh, I know that uh, schools uh, bring in residential school survivors to tell their stories. Uh, and then you, that's where you build from. So the awareness piece is, is come a long way. Uh, but once again, uh, awareness only goes so far, and then you got to step it into action. So action is required in order to, to move uh, the information that we're gathering and becoming more aware of. So schools are, 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 are doing lots of, of awareness-building activities, but then the action comes with the, you know, the social justice programs and platforms that school divisions have. So when you when you talk about recognizing that history, what's the goal in terms of moving forward and that what do you hope that that understanding of the past will nurture as we move forward here? Uh, just a greater understanding of who uh, Indigenous people are, what they've gone through and where we are today. So knowing who Indigenous people were before residential schools, which I think is lost. Uh, I think residential schools sometimes takes over who Indigenous people are uh, and who they are today. But I think you got to piece all three phases of it, uh, the, the, the past, the current, and then the future. I know that schools really work hard on figuring out and, and discussing uh, Indigenous history. Uh, but it comes down to, and, and what we're doing in, in the Winnipeg School Division is something we're, we're calling it restoring relationships. And I think that's but uh, looking at the person who's sitting beside you in the desk or who's at the front of the class and building that relationship to understand who they are. And I think that's just one step towards reconciliation. You ever wish the parents could take some of these courses, Rob? I, I think this is great for our kids. I often wonder still how many parents you might be saying, oh, we shouldn't be doing this or this is too much. Or has that negativity gone away? Uh, no, I think I think what we... we we really need to do is is uh, we're working with this generation right now that are in schools that will move forward. I truly think that there needs to be an education for the adults as well, too. I, I don't think the the information or the history uh, with within the adult realm 
is there. Uh, you have to self-educate, and, and some people uh, don't want to, and others are jumping right into it. So I think for consistency purposes, it would be wonderful if we had more parents that participated in this at the school level. I can guarantee you the parent, the kids are going home and they are educating their parents about what happened, and I think that's one of the great gifts of, of this level of education, this type of education, because the kids are like sponges, uh, generally speaking, straight through until grade 8 or grade 9, until you've really got to work to keep their attention, but they do come home and, and they do talk about what they've learned, and, and I think it's tremendous. Yeah, that really makes me excited. The hair on my arm stands up when you hear about the students that are they're bringing that information home because then they become the teachers. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much for joining us this morning, Rob Riel, Director of Indigenous Education at Winnipeg School Division. We appreciate the time, sir. Thank you. You guys have a good day. And we have a tip here at 204-780-6868. Hey, guys, Bear Clan Patrol is doing a reconciliation healing walk tonight for Orange Shirt Day at Sergeant Tommy Prince Place at 6 p.m. The address is 90 Sinclair. Bear Clan, once again, just uh, showing the, how significant a member of the community they've become. Actually, absolutely tremendous, and just this idea that we are open to learning more about our past so that we can move forward as a, as a culture, as a, as a Canadian community is absolutely imperative. And yeah, huge thank you to our listener for let, letting us know about that because the Bear Clan, they are quite modest sometimes in mm-hmm. the things that they do. And we sometimes have to drag it out of James Fable's uh, mouth, the things that they're doing because they are so modest. So thank you uh, to our listener, 780-6868. And on this notion that parents should maybe take these courses as well, I remember, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I made some kind of, I would say, I'd call it a flippant comment about this particular subject. And uh, my buddy shut me down and he proceeded to give me a very, it was a brief history lesson, but Loren, you mentioned that our generation probably didn't learn as much as no. we should have. And I, I don't know that I learned anything about this stuff in school, and it was a real eye-opening. It was one of those eye-opening moments in your life where you go, "Oh my God, I am so woefully ignorant on this issue." Uh, so I think it is important for us, for all of us, to at least have some sort of just base sure. knowledge of this, because I think a lot of people just have no idea that this happened. I'm, yeah. try- I'm trying to remember when I learned it, of it. It was and, and- it was a chapter in school for me for sure, but not a like not even a full day like a you know like a like a four paragraph or a four line paragraph rather about what it was. I really feel like for myself it's been in the last 10 years with the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and then I've since watched a lot of documentaries or interviewed different people, but there's a whole host of folks that don't know. And I would say for the schools, I don't know how it works for yours, but I think it'd be cool if the note goes home and says by the way it's orange shirt day Monday or whatever the date would be, to have a little synopsis there because then you're reading it and you're saying, right, yes, you know, like there's because there would still be parents out there who aren't sure why they're sending their kids to school with the orange on. Well, and Rob made that distinction. It's not a celebration. It's a commemoration. Right. And so some parents might be of the idea, oh, how fun, they're wearing orange today. And it it may be a good thing for solidarity and awareness, but it's not meant to be a fun thing. It's meant to be a day of awareness. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K, W-P-G. I am at 
Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.